Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This is not our first rodeo hearing from those who are speaking up from national security and the military that perhaps we were not stepping up to the job. We've debated as a country how long, certainly uh, since I can remember, are we doing enough? We were so thrilled with ourselves as peacekeepers. And then when we hear otherwise, it hits us inside. And what a week that we've had. We've had the revelations as we watch the Chinese election interference. We have the leak from CSIS. Okay, that happened a month ago, but now we're hearing more. We're hearing about Russian interference, perhaps, and national security and a call for more. And then we have the leak from the Pentagon on the Discord chat room putting our prime minister in international headlines, admitting to NATO, we cannot hit that 2%. What does Canada need to do? Is our military, is our national security in crisis? These are enormous questions for our time. We have a wonderful guest, Andrew Leslie, retired Lieutenant General, the Honorable Andrew Leslie, a former commander of Canada's Army, Chief Government Whip, and previous a federal MP. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, here it is. I mean, you've spoken up about this before. We've looked at it and talked about it as Russia invades Ukraine. There's been an increased focus on NATO and who our commitment and what Canada does. When we saw the leak this week that put the prime minister in news stories around the world. Andrew, what did that do to this conversation, in your opinion? I think it sharpened the tone. Canada is a trading nation. Most of us come from far away. And we bring with that a knowledge of the world. We bring our own biases. We, but we know the world. We're, we, you know, we've come from all over. And where our trade flows, so should to shoot our interests and values. We're not doing all that we could or should internationally to contribute to international peace and stability. And that's obvious. Why? Because the armed forces right now aren't ready. And ready is a function of people, equipment, facilities, and training, all of which cost money. And recently, the money hasn't been getting to the troops to buy them that capability and that readiness. And our allies are getting irritated with us right now. They are. Yeah. I, I want to go through both of those aspects. Let's talk about the military themselves right now. They are not ready. As you said, the money's not getting through. This has always been a story here in Canada. Has has there been a blockage of the financial arteries more under this government? Is it a partisan thing? It is a way of looking at the military as Canadians can grapple with this. Hmm. Well, there's definitely a blockage. This government has promised for eight years now to dedicate increased sums to the armed forces, which, to be fair, they have. But it hasn't actually all gotten down to the troops in terms of monies left on the table. About three, two to three billion per year that was promised as of the defense policy of strong, secure, engaged has not been spent or not even been asked for by the deputy minister and the ministers. So 
So the money's there. They don't feel they can spend it, so they don't ask for it, and they don't get it. And that means the troops, when the call to arms came out to send a brigade to Europe to help in Latvia, mm-hmm. we weren't ready to go. Our equipment is in a poor state of repair. The armed forces are missing roughly twelve to 15,000 people between full-time and part-time. Our facilities are old and aging, and it's time to step up to the plate and do our fair share of international duty and responsibilities. Look, we consider ourselves a peacekeeping nation. We have between 35 and 50 peacekeepers doing UN operations right now. That's half a school bus. We've got less than 1,000 troops in NATO. We used to have a full brigade there 12, 15 years ago when we had less money and less people. So we've really got to do more. It's urgent. It's a crisis. All right. I want to go back to the recruitment and the numbers and everything, but let's just put everything in context because it has been a very powerful week on on this issue. There are, we're also seeing and reading in these reports that, and you've just indicated as well, our allies, I don't know, are they getting restless? Are they getting ticked? I mean, how how would you describe it? Because we're starting to hear that that they don't, feel that they can rely on us. Is that true? And if so, how how dangerous is this for Canada? Opinions will vary depending on where you sit or stand. Um, members who support the government will obviously say, no, everything's fine. Nothing to see here, folks. Let's move along. Perhaps some others might think, well, we're not actually contributing anywhere near 2%. So that means, though, The rest of our allies are, in large measure, I think we're in the bottom four of NATO in terms of percentage. That means others are contributing more of their monies to defense and security, especially considering the threat posed by Russia or perhaps China. And because we're not doing so, and we're allocating that money to social programs or whatever the government's priorities are, that means others have to do more. And we live in an interconnected world we believe in alliance structures, and you need alliances to, to fend off the Russian bear, because who knows where they may try and go next. So you don't right, want to be alone see. in a world that's a lot yeah. more dangerous than it was a year and a half ago. How can we read the the messaging here? I see that the NATO Secretary General at the Center for Defense and Security Studies, is, it, it's their meeting is bringing up this 2% and saying, come on, allies, you've got to do it. And would you say that this is a message just to Canada, Andrew? I think it is. I think it's directed yeah. specifically yeah. at us and the other five or six that have no real indication yet that they've started on a path towards 2%. And our economy, uh, we're a blessed nation. We've got a fantastic workforce. We've got enormous wealth in terms of land and mineral assets. Our economy is 2,000 billion per year, 2 trillion per year. And we allocate right now about 27 billion, which sounds like a lot of money, and it is. But when you've ignored facilities and equipment for 8, 10, 15 years, really the last time we had a big surge on was during the Afghan war, which, by the way, Mm -hmm. we were spending Mm -hmm. quite a lot of money quite quickly and very effectively. But now the priority doesn't seem there. That sense of urgency is missing. That sense of danger looming to our friends and allies in Europe. And we're not there right now. 
All right. We're about to take a break. But before we go to break, I want to ask you, you know, have you ever seen, as we say, we have the, the NATO Secretary General bringing this up. This is not just something we're discussing on the fringes or the outside of Canadian political and military conversation. This is the, the real world here. This is a time where NATO locking arms, getting stronger, not smaller. Is Have you ever seen this kind of pressure towards Canada from NATO in your time? No, I haven't. I would argue right now is probably the most time, uh, the most dangerous time to us all since the end of the Second World War. And NATO was designed to stop Russia from rampaging across Europe. NATO unfortunately chose a variety of nations within NATO to declare a peace dividend. And Putin attacked Ukraine because he thought he could win because he didn't think NATO would respond. Thankfully, they're starting to. But it's a very dangerous time. And I think all of us have got to do more. Andrew, I'm interested in, I mean, that is a, a really powerful statement that you made. How will this play out for Canada? If indeed, exactly, I mean, I'm, you and I are talking right now, and I just kind of one eye on the coverage here as the, the NATO Secretary General cranks it up. The message is coming out here. How could this have an impact on Canada's position around the world? What will it take away from us? Andrew, if we don't improve it? Well, if, if we continue on the path that we're on now and the rest of our allies in NATO and elsewhere around the globe invest more money into their people and equipment to provide deterrence, to stop countries such as Russia from advancing further for engaging in further slaughter, or to dissuade China from its ambitions perhaps on Taiwan as part of an alliance as part of a coalition. Other countries will start to ask themselves, well, why are we doing all the heavy lifting, we Mm -hmm. being the others? Why isn't Canada? Why aren't the other recalcitrant members of NATO, which there's three or four others? And eventually, uh, trade follows political inclination. Trade follows lines of profit. Uh, Trade is also dependent on the will of governments. And trade will be impacted, and we're a trading nation. Our closest friend and ally, the United States, is asking some hard questions of us. They're asking, for example, what are we contributing to defend the Canadian Arctic? And the answer right now is, just for comparison's sake, Mm -hmm. the Canadian Arctic is vast and pristine, and we're all extraordinarily proud of it as Canadians. Alaska has 22,000 Uh, American Armed Forces personnel there. That's the American Arctic. We have 300 people, most of them part-time, great people all, with no permanently stationed equipment for surveillance or sovereignty or presence in the Canadian Arctic. That's one example amongst many. Yeah. It is true. I mean, we're watching and we're seeing here, as you say, at this moment, it's for Canada, but it's also all the movement geopolitically around the world. I mean, we've got the invasion of Ukraine, we've got flybys, we've got Russia on the move and in our Arctic. Andrew, let me ask you, we came back here. I often wonder when we talk about the military, more so now, especially as I'm listening to these emphatic comments that you're making here, what do our listeners, what do all of us, what does Canada have as a part of this? You know, governments do what 
what they have to do to get votes. Do Canadians care enough about this? We've kind of been living in a in a dream world. We look to America and say, oh, we couldn't have that violence. We've had a little bit of a taste of it. This is another example here. And we always thought we've got America. And we don't understand the importance of this. But people like you have seen seen another side to this. They do get it. What's your view? Americans treat international operations and their alliance structures very seriously indeed. And they've been after us for decades to contribute more towards the North American Air Defense Agreement, which does more than air defense. And the government, our government, has promised a significant sum over the next 15 to 20 years. But it's a question of spending money now. The threat is now. It's present. It's visible, especially if you live in Europe. Now, the flip side of that is, well, Canada is a peacekeeping nation. Okay, we've already talked about that. We have between 35 to 50 peacekeepers in total deployed around the world out of a population of 38 billion. So we have some work to do. We have some work to contribute to international peace and security, something that Canada has prided itself on since essentially our foundation. And we have we do. not. Yeah, it's like hockey. It's like hockey. It's in our DNA. We think so. Have we been living in a bit of a dream, Andrew? I'm not trying to be critical to all of us, but if it's a time to let the scales fall from our eyes, maybe maybe they were average or ordinary or wonderful Canadians. I don't know. Just people who don't think that they have to worry about these international things. Maybe they... They have turned a blind eye. You've just said America's engaged a little bit more on that. I would say Canada's blessed and has been blessed for decades. Geography, our close friend and neighbor, it's tough for others to get to us. They mean us ill. But all that has changed, especially with Russia's rampage. And others might well emulate Russia. The whole idea behind deterrence is to actually, with coalition of your friends, to present a strong face to any potential aggressors, and thereby all of us can benefit from from peace, stability, and trade and increases to quality of life. Canada and the Canadian Armed Forces, uh, the Canadian Armed Forces are really the concern of the people of Canada. It shouldn't be, but right now it has to be because of the consequences of getting it wrong. Uh, I don't want to sound too alarmist, but there is a potential should things go badly wrong in calculations about Russia and Ukraine, let's not forget that Russia has 7,000 nuclear weapons. So we don't want to make any mistakes as we've done in the past. But what say if Ukraine had received significant weapons in the long buildup of Russian troops before they invaded, could that have mm-hmm. stopped the slaughter? And the answer is, yeah, it might have. We don't know, but it might have. But in Canada's place, we had nothing to offer. And here we are with, as I mentioned, the most dangerous international period since since the end of the Second World War, where we have no alternative to say to the rest of the world, okay, well, we may not have more than a thousand people in Latvia, but we've got tons on peacekeeping. Well, we don't. And in comparison to our friends and allies, if you look at the scale of Canada's wealth and our population, it's, it's 
not acceptable, quite frankly. And I wish Canadians would pay more attention to their armed forces right now and, and ask their local elected officials as to do some explaining. You know, we saw that extraordinary move, 60 signatures, people like yourself and former national security, even former politicians. Again, there seems to be a disconnect there. I hear what you're saying, and your words are very, very powerful here this afternoon. And Canadians are, again, are part of this could, are, or should, may I say, our government send the message a little bit more to Canadians, just how important this is. I wish they would. I really do. And of course, when you talk about numbers, it's so easy to spin them, especially with the vast realms of bureaucracy at your beck and call. But the, the bottom line is NATO and our allies are asking us to do more, and we haven't really. We promise more for the future, but we haven't actually done it. And the time is now. There's no reason why we should have the worst procurement system, or certainly amongst the worst procurement systems in the world. If it takes you 25 years to buy new ships, which still hasn't happened for the Navy, you have a problem. If it takes you 20 years to buy new fighters for the Air Force, you've got a problem. If it takes you 15 to 20 years to buy new trucks for the Army, and you know where I'm going with this, don't accept it. And we shouldn't and mustn't because the need is now. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 